Hey everybody and welcome to the latest edition of What Have We Been Watching, a movie deep dive every fortnight where we go in and talk about your favourite movies and then rank them. I'm your host, Stephen Westway, joined as always by my co-host, Noel Letter. Nolsey, how good is it not to be talking about Disney movies? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I probably won't want to watch another one for a while, yeah, was, to be honest. Yeah, it was a big but... journey. Uh, today, uh, so go check those out as well if you haven't yet, all three parts are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere you guys listen to your favourite podcasts. It's almost a six-hour conversation where we've talked about 60 different movies. So it's a very big commitment. Yeah. But if you want to check it out, go over to what have we been watching on any of those services to check that out. Today, we've also got a big show. We're going to be discussing everything from the 2021 Oscars. And that happened last last night in America, yesterday for us. Um, so a lot to talk about there. We're also going to rank our... Best Picture nominees from the year, so all the 2021 Best Picture films, we're going to rank them from worst to best, but we can't do it alone, no letter. Returning, once again, this is his bread and butter. He loves talking about independent films. <laughs> if you haven't, please go and check out his page, Dupology's Reviews, on Facebook. He's my special guest, our special guest, Matt Dupont. Do be good to have you back. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Keen to talk about the Oscars. And on that um, note, on that note, let's get straight to it. Um, obviously, last night it uh, in America and yesterday in Australia, it took place uh, the 2021 Academy Awards. I can't, I don't actually know where it took place. Apparently, it was in a train station in LA because they did not have it in yeah. actual ball. So that was an interesting decision from yeah. the get go. Um, but yeah, there was lots of interesting decisions that they made for these awards. But... Straight into it, uh, some very controversial mm. winners that we'll get to. Um, we're going to talk about the best picture award later after you rank all the best picture nominees. But guys, what were your overall thoughts on these Oscars? Uh, we can get into specific awards shortly. But what did you guys think overall the 2021 Academy Awards? I thought it was a giant steaming pile of garbage. To be honest, <laughs> I'm really honest. I mean, there's about four. How many awards were given out, just out of curiosity? There's usually about 20. Yeah. So let's say 20 televised that, awards. That I can think of, I think there was about five awards that I agreed with and all the other ones I was like, like how are these movies getting nominated? Because in my opinion, the Oscars, they basically nominate, what, eight movies for Best Picture and then out of those eight movies, they just get they just nominate them for every other award and which I think is ridiculous because there's movies out there that are made simply for example the editing like the the movie works very well because of the editing but they don't get a look in because they're not up for best picture yeah. which I think is a bit ridiculous I mean personally I actually quite liked a lot of the winners I thought mm. a lot of them were pretty deserving mm-hmm. um, obviously there was some controversy with best actor but having watched The Father, I think Anthony Hopkins so deserved it. So, <laughs> so do I. I haven't seen Ma Raimi's to sort of like compare what Chadwick Boseman was like, but I feel like the Oscars themselves are the reason why that's so controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you've got other ones like the Best Supporting Actress um, for Minari. She 100% deserved that. She Did was you, incredible. Apparently she actually... We'll talk, I'm guessing we'll talk. You've seen the yes. yes. Apparently, she actually drank 
urine in that scene, like actual we'll de- urine. We're definitely getting to that. <laughs> to, to build on both of your points that yeah. you made, so when you said that unworthy kind of things were nominated in all the categories, yeah. Mank led the nominations with 10 mm-hmm. nominations for this Oscars. The most winner, the most award won the most, the movie won the most awards, was Nomadland with three. So it seemed this year more than others that they really spread the awards out a little bit more um, and didn't give the same movies too many awards. But mm-hmm. let's just get the elephant in the room and say that this year's Best Picture nominees, we'll get into the Best Picture later, but the movies that got nominated because of the COVID-affected year, it wasn't as strong as a lineup as you'd usually see yeah, for the Oscars. And to build on your point when it comes to The Father, we may as well get straight into Anthony Hopkins winning the award. I haven't seen The Father. We'll, we'll explain, we'll talk about the movies we've seen and have it from the Best Picture nominees um, later. Surprisingly, Noletta is the one that's most prepared for this podcast for the only time in my life. Um, but congratulations, Noletta. Thanks. Um, Do I get an award now? <laughs> but, but overall, um, it was very weirdly set out because you had yes. the whole... So obviously it took place in the weird train station thing that they did where they kind of got it away from a ballroom and limited the amount of people that had it and really done up this LA train station. I don't know why they did. They chose to do that. But they set out the awards this year in a very different way to usual where they had the Best Picture uh, Award get given out Earlier. near the middle of the show. Yeah. And yeah. The, they led they led the, uh, the acting awards near the end of the show. And what that did... Online, we looked at the reactions, and this is why there's controversy. Yeah. They had the immemorium near the end of the show as well. So, what it seemed to the general audience, what they were trying to do, was they were trying to really yeah. hype up this celebration of Chadwick Boseman's yeah. life yeah. by having, um, I think he was last after Sean Connery on the in memoriam um, page for the year, and then mm. that led straight into the acting awards. Yep. It felt like that they were going to do this big ceremony to celebrate the life of Chadwick Boseman. And then, obviously, there was the huge upset where Anthony Hopkins won the award. And Anthony Hopkins himself was surprised that he won it and, you know, thanked and and celebrated. uh, But it was so anticlimactic as well because he obviously wasn't there Mm. for it because he's stuck in the UK because of COVID. So... It just kind of really, they really shot themselves in the foot, I think, yeah, with it, that. Sort it of should have been one of the first awards. Personally, mm. I've seen both movies. Chadwick Boseman gives probably his best performance ever, but at the same time, in my opinion, it's not even close to the performance that Anthony Hopkins mm. gives in The Father. I haven't seen the movie, but Hopkins is a fantastic oh. actor. So that's not surprising to me, but yeah. again, out of all years to choose to not have Best Picture last, when you know that this is going to create such yep. a stir, the, yeah. the Academy had to be aware of what they were doing. I know. It, it's so stupid. It caused so much stir that yeah. they'll have this award last and then yeah. and then turn, it all turned on the head, on the, on its head when Chadwick didn't win. It was just yeah. a weird yeah, setting of the show. I thought it was really poorly handled. Oh, so poorly handled. Like, mm. that, it was so stupid. As you said, it would probably be better if they put it at the start of the show, had the yeah. in memoriam, yeah. led yeah. straight into Best Actor and got it out of the way early yeah. and then we wouldn't have had all this... Mm. This suspense yeah. and this, you know, build but, up. So some of the comments I've seen is that obviously that means that the people who run the Oscars, like the producers of the show, really don't have any idea of who is going to win. Well, I think that was evident which the is, whole yeah, with, which was there. evident from that. But now this has really cemented that because mm. obviously they were just gunning for Chadwick to win this and it's yeah. just created, yeah, such a shitstorm. But you guys, uh, you know, we'll get into our opinions with the father a little bit later when you talk about it. You guys both obviously said that Anthony Hopkins... Uh, in your opinion, deserved it. We'll go over the actresses in a second, but obviously um, when we go over to the Best Supporting Actor, let's just cover that quickly. And it was, uh, I 
Daniel Kalua winning for Judas and the Black Messiah, where he played Fred Hampton. So, what were your thoughts on that one, guys? Um, see, I, I, I unfortunately, I didn't get to see it because of how poor uh, movie theaters and whatnot. Especially in Australia, to see yeah. some of these awards. I can't really comment on the movie or his performance, but in terms of actors who are just brilliant at picking their roles, you don't ever see Daniel Kaluuya in anything that's like not good. So I'm sure he was great, and I love Daniel Kaluuya. So yeah, can him. can confirm that he absolutely deserved it. I was actually looking up to see whether he was nominated for best actor because mm. I thought that he was more of the star of that show. But obviously they've gone for best supporting actor for this, and yeah, he 100% deserved it. He was absolutely incredible in that film. I haven't seen One Night in Miami. I've heard really good things. I need to watch so that movie. I, know, um, I really want. But to obviously uh, Leslie Odom Jr. got nominated for that, so yeah. I can't comment on his performance. I but love I actually, I actually think that this this group of supporting mm-hmm. actors was a very very strong lineup. I think yep. Sasha ba- Baron Cohen was fantastic oh. in the Trial of the Chicago Seven. I thought that Paul Racy was great in The Sound of Metal, and for me personally. Daniel Kalu was fantastic. I loved him in Get Out. I've loved everything I've seen him into this point. I think he's fantastic in Judas and the Black Messiah. I think he deserves the award. I also think you can make a very similar argument for Lakeith Stanfield yep. in that movie. I was about I think to say the same I think he got nominated thing, yeah. as well, and I think yep. that it was tittle-tat for me because mm-hmm. I think you'd give it either way. I think they were both great in that yeah, movie. Yeah, who was the main actor? Lakeith Stanfield. Did he get yeah. nominated, he got nominated for, for supporting. supporting? So it's a very interesting situation. Yeah, yeah that's... And I wasn't aware of that until I looked it up yeah, and saw yeah, I thought that, that he would just be nominated for yeah. leading. So I've heard they're both great. No, I, I'm fuming that I didn't get to see it before the Oscars because I was really keen. But you know. If we cover the other awards, uh, we'll, go, uh, we'll go to the actress and uh, mm. we'll go to supporting first because there's a bit of conversation they had in the actress because it was pretty wide open, the lead actress. Mm. So we'll go into that momentarily. What did you guys think of Ewan Young Jung, which I've definitely destroyed the pronunciation of but her role as the grandmother in Minari um, she won the award she beat um, Maria Bakalova from Borat she beat Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy Olivia Coleman from The Father and Amanda Seyfried from Mank to win the award uh, what did you guys think of uh, her performance and did you think she deserved best supporting actress yeah, yeah she I did. think that she did <laughs> I thought that they'd give it to Amanda Seyfried um, just based on what I've heard and whatnot. Um, and she was very good in Mank, but just when... I'm just going to say the grandmother from Minari because yes. I don't want to... Yep. When she comes into the movie, she adds so much, like... Or, she adds a lot of, like, comedy, and she, she it's just, like, a breath of fresh air when her character comes into the movie. And um, I'm not sure if I can say that for the other, like, Best actress, best supporting actress nominees. She just added a lot of like energy. I don't know about you, Noletta, but for me, she was the performance of the year when you yeah. take up all these awards. I haven't seen Anthony Hopkins in The Father, yeah. so I can't comment on her, him and Olivia, Olivia Coleman, but the best performance I've seen so far this yeah. year was her in Minari. That, so I, I 100% she... agree with that, actually. Like, uh, she stole the show for me. As soon every scene she was in, I was mm. like, I was instantly just like interested in the movie yeah it was just uh, she was absolutely amazing the thing about Amanda Seyfried as well is that uh, obviously she had a lot of buzz after Mank she's not in the movie that much no she's not in a great deal um, and uh, Shakespeare in Love Judy Dench in 1998 mm. won that award for being mm. on, on screen for eight minutes yeah. so yep. you can't necessarily go that 
okay, you know, just because you're not in the movie that much doesn't mean yeah. you're not going to win award, the award. But I think Minari's, the actress Minari playing the grandmother, don't want to destroy her pronunciation of her name again, but I think she definitely deserved it. Yeah, see, this is the thing with the Oscars that like, confuses the hell out of me because Anthony Hopkins was in Silence of the Lambs for 15 minutes. And one best actor. And one yeah. best actor. Not that yeah. he didn't deserve it, though. Yeah. 15 minutes that he's in it are probably the best 15 minutes of the film. You get those arguments for whether what should be a supporting role yeah. or what should be a, a leading role because obviously yeah. Lakeith Stanfield, as we just said, was the lead actor so, of that. Movie. So from what I've heard, like from how they do it all, is as they work it out on what they think they the people in the film will have a best chance of winning. Yes. They market it. Yeah. They promote it to yeah. try The studios, I think, come up with yeah. it. So they've got to submit their actors to the ballot. Yeah. So that's why you saw, um, I think, in The Departed in 2006, you saw Leo, um, Matt Damon, etc. I think Warburg won it, but... yeah. Leo and Matt Damon didn't want to compete against each other, so they requested yeah. that they didn't get nominated, um, and they didn't really push it. So I think it comes down to the studios, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that was uh, best supporting. We'll move on to the other main acting award, and Francis McDormand won for Nomadland. Um, we've all got fours about Nomadland and these other movies. We'll get to those later. Um, but did you guys? She's obviously fantastic in the movie. She beat the likes of Viola Davis for. Uh, Miss uh, Maya Ramey's Black Bottom. She beat uh, Audrey Day for the United States for Billy Holiday. Vanessa Kirby from Pieces of Woman and Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. I'd actually only seen Nomadland and Promising Young Woman. Yeah, me um, too. But for me, out of those two movies, and uh, we'll get to my thoughts on it later, I think that Carrie Mulligan deserved it over Frances McDormand. So I'll say that right really? now. Really? Yes, I, I Viola Davis. I love Frances McDormand in that movie. I thought she was absolutely incredible. I I also think to if. Out of the nominees that I've seen, I've seen four of the nominees, and I think that the uh, honestly, I think that the other three were stronger than McDormand. We had we so this award on your betting markets, and even just in general, when you look at the other award ceremony, this was the award that didn't have a, devo- a, mm-hmm. desi- a divisive, you know, clear selection like yeah. the other ones had. So it was really uh, up in the air. Yeah, Francis McDormand obviously wins a second for uh, for this movie after three billboards. So. Um, it looks like we've got different opinions there. Third. Well, she's shown <laughs> Fargo as well. Fargo, she's third also. She's so, yeah, three she's won more than Mel Street. She's up there, with, you know, Marlon Brando. I think he's won three. There's yeah. not many that have. So, no. Daniel Day-Lewis. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. yeah. But any other thoughts when it came to that award? Obviously. No, mm. I mean, yeah, like, I've she only seen bad. the two she's of them as well. Good. but And I, yeah. I thought she was personally better than Carrie Mulligan but she I she was still amazing I though like she, she was absolutely incredible but I yeah I, I personally I think Viola Davis was probably my favourite performance and honestly quite closely be followed by Vanessa Kirby for um, I keep wanting to watch it and I can't bring myself to watch it I just thought that Promising Young yes. Woman if it was any other actress that the movie would not be anywhere near as strong enough on mm. Carrie Mulligan no. absolutely killed it yeah so, she's the best mm. thing about that um, movie we won't get too much. We'll get into our rankings of the Best Picture nominees shortly. We won't get too much into the other awards because obviously we covered the big major ones. But is there anything you guys want to touch on? I'll just read out the award winners for some of these other awards before we move on. Um, best Original Screenplay went to Promising Young Woman. Uh, best Adapted Screenplay went to The Father. Um, those were the nominees um, that I'm showing a doopy now. There's plenty of, you know, all the Best Picture nominees really got nominated for those. Soul yeah. won Best Animated. Yeah. Um, Deserved. 
my octopus teacher i know there's some big fans of that documentary one best documentary i don't think it was the best documentary out of the ones nominated and uh and best score went to soul uh and yeah. the song fight for you from judas and the black messiah won the songs uh Sound Sound of metal won that one best Sound best production so i went uh, design went to menk cinematography went to menk uh best makeup and hairstyling went to uh black bottom costume black bottom film editing sound of metal um, and visual effects went to Tenet. Is there anything there that you guys want to touch on before we move on? Oh, I'm just happy that um, Soul got best um, original score yeah. because I think Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have been like overdue to get an Oscar for like composing. They're even like, though, even though I think they're great movies, yeah. I obviously liked Onward a little bit more, but Soul was a clear one yeah. for, runner for animators. So it's I, good to see it get yeah. more recognition. I wish I got to see Wolfwalkers before um, the Oscars, because a lot of people I've talked to said that that was their favourite for best animated feature. The one that really shocked me, and again, I'm, I'll talk about my feelings on the movies a little bit later, but... Uh, best adapted screenplay, I think it's adapted. No, sorry, best original screenplay went to Promising Young Woman over the trial of the Chicago Seven. Aaron Sorkin, yeah. known for uh, developing fantastic scripts, so that I'm was a big shock. I'm pretty happy with me. that, actually. That I shock. think it kind of so, deserved that because I mean, so Promising Young Woman is completely original, whereas Trial of Chicago Seven is based on true events. So I, I feel like it's a, a lot to put to to make it that effective to put a, you know a court. Kind of dra- a courtroom situation in real life, and to, to make it into such an entertaining movie is a big yeah. accomplishment. Though, so I yeah. feel that I feel like I would have gave it personally a trial. You obviously would have gave it to Promising Young Woman. So I would have given it to a Trial of Chicago Seven. So, but that's our thoughts overall on the Oscars. Anything you guys else you wanted to touch on? Obviously, Harrison Ford didn't want to be there. Uh, yeah. I think he ran out. He, he, he just got forced it. to be there. A lot of people didn't want to be there. But I uh, don't think many people want to be standing in a train yeah. station all night. No. I think this is going to be a, a footnote in Oscars history. Mm. Um, one thing I'll quickly mention is I haven't watched it personally, but I've been told multiple times by Aaron to watch it. Um, Two Distant Strangers winning the live action short film. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it goes like half At the hour. moment, apparently yeah. it's absolutely brilliant. So, so that's definitely that one well. to check out. All right, we're about to get to our best picture ranking. So where we rank every nominee uh, that got ranked. Will our, will our number ones be Nomadly in the winner of best picture or will we all have very different opinions Find out next on what have we been watching. Before we get to it, please remember to like what have we been watching movie podcast on Facebook, what have we been watching on Instagram. Please like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Let's grow our audience. Keep the train rolling forward. And let's move on (laughs) to our best picture rankings. All right, guys. So the way that this part of the show is going to work is we're going to rank all the best picture nominees. You guys have probably listened to a show by this point that we've done. But if you haven't, uh, we're going to do our eight to six in one part, then our five to four, then our three to two, and then we're going to reveal our number one pick for our best picture nominees. Um, what it, what we think our best one is. If we have it higher, we're going to talk about it when we get there, obviously, if they're on the different segments of the show. Me and Doopy haven't actually watched all the movies, which is a problem. Um, Australian cinemas have been... It's been a very limited opportunity to watch some of these films. Um, Doopy, you didn't watch The Sound of Metal or Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't have Amazon, so I can't watch Sound of Metal, and I, I'm still absolutely furious by the lack of screenings of Judas and the Black Messiah. 
I didn't get a chance to see The Father in cinemas, so I haven't watched that one. Noletta, usually the least prepared person on the podcast. That's a bit of a lie. She does keep notes, and I don't. I just kind of pull up the cuff like I'm doing right now. But Noletta is, for once in a life, the most prepared person. So, Noli, you me. saw all the movies. Yeah, I did. So, as I said, our six to eight we're going to talk about now. Um, if it's higher on someone's list, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. So, in list number eight, which obviously you have and we don't, Noletta is... Um, you know, we're not going to be talking about it, let's be honest right now. Um, but it, it, we could be if it's higher on someone's list, if it's seven or six. So mm-hmm. we'll discuss it. So, Noletta, uh, with that out of the way, you want to kick us off today and we'll go Noletta, then we'll go to me and then Doopy has seen six, so Doopy will be the last person given his list today. So, Noletta, what is your number eight? Uh, so my number eight is The Sound of Metal. That is not on my portion of this list. So we'll talk about it. We'll get there. Doopy, of course, hasn't seen it. So... Um, that was your number eight. Mm-hmm. We'll get to mine shortly, but go to your number seven. What's your number seven? Hey, my number seven is actually Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> that is also not on this portion, so we'll talk about that when we get there. Also, Doofy, the other movie you haven't seen. <laughs> so guess what? You guys have the same rankings for those of these ones. They're both on the bottom. Uh, and, uh, and it's a, it's to end it all off, my number six is Mank. That is also my number six. That I've is seen higher seven. on my list. <laughs> I thought it would be. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about it when we get there. Going to mine now, and my number seven is Nomadland. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like... Is it on your is it your six, or is it higher? It's... Is it higher than it two? It is higher. Okay. It's higher. It's higher than So we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> Doopy, you can see the first. Uh, my number six, obviously, was Mank, which yeah. is not yeah. six. So, Doopy, your number six is? Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman, which is higher than both of ours. So mm-hmm. that is the first segment done. That was a quick one, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about all the movies first. It looks like we've all got uh, very, very different opinions on these movies, mm-hmm. just based on the, uh, on the outset of this list. All right, well, let's just go straight into it. Let's go to Noletta's number five. We'll start the next segment. Number five, Noletta, what do you got? My number five was Promising Young Woman. That is my number four. It's Doopy's number six. So we can all talk about it right now. Um, I guess I'll start because it's highest on my list. Yeah. So let's uh, get into it. So Promising Young Woman, uh, obviously released this year um, as it was um, actually was it released last year I don't know no, in, the, in, in, in the States yeah. Day. okay yes. so very 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 Mo- close most yeah. of these movies were released in the States last year but we're Australians guys yeah. let's, let's just <laughs> so we get everything late yeah. uh, unless one, it's a Marvel movie this one's available yes. as a rental <laughs> so I watched pre- all these movies pretty recently but uh, for me I was very very surprised going into this mm-hmm. thing I didn't know what to expect um and I think that when you look at it as a whole... By the way, we're not going to go full-on spoilers. We'll go minimal spoilers. Yep. We might have to talk about some spoiler things if, if yeah. it comes up. But uh, overall, we'll try to keep them to a minimum. I was hard uh, for this movie. really am- amazed by the great performance by Carrie Mulligan. I'd seen her, obviously, in stuff like The Great Gatsby and Pride and Prejudice before. It had been a while since I've seen her in a film. And I think that she absolutely stole the screen in this movie. Um, pleasantly surprised. I, As I said earlier in the show, thought that she deserved the Best Actress Award. Um, she was really good. Uh, Bo Burnham, who I don't think I've seen anything before, was really good as Ronald oh. Cooper, in my opinion, as well. Alison Brie was good supporting, and I was pretty happy with the performances by some bit part players like Adam Brody and uh, Clancy Brown. 
it's a good revenge tale. Um, basically, your, your main plot line is Cassie Thomas. Um, he, she, she's a 30-year-old that lives at home with her parents. She dropped out of medical school. She works at a coffee uh, club, a coffee place, uh, serving coffee to customers because she basically isn't living up to her potential. Um, we, go, we learn during the course of the film, without getting into big spoilers, that there was a personal tragedy that um, has affected her and has basically got her on a path of revenge. Um, to put it bluntly, and uh, this movie definitely takes turn, twists and turns that uh, I didn't see coming. I was very surprised by some of the direction it took. Um, I think that the script's really good, and as I said, I think that Carrie Mulligan really um, elevates. elevates the movie above what it was originally yeah. meant to be, and I think that she made it into a really, really good movie for me, and I was pleasantly surprised. I was entertained for it, and uh, I think it's it's about a middle-of-the-rank Best Picture nominee. I don't know if it would have been nominated if it was a normal year, this movie, but I'm glad it was because it exposed the movie for me. I probably otherwise wouldn't have watched it, and uh, as I said, I think that Carrie Mulligan deserves all the props in the world for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, like, when you're looking at this movie, so obviously there's this big thing in Australia at the moment about, like, the whole consent ads and and the milkshake ad and stuff like that and i feel like this movie would work better in showing young people about like the like the dangers of not consenting to something i feel like maybe the government should look into it maybe they should hire these guys to film their consent ads instead (laughs) but um it's a very important movie for 2021 really it's crazy how they present Mm. those scenarios it definitely gave me personally flashbacks of Gone Girl. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I found Which myself, they even kind of mention, sort I of like. I found myself unfairly comparing the two because I think Gone Girl is the better movie, but um, how people can be exposed in ways um, and how they can be not really manipulated, but how they can kind of reveal their true colours in, I'm trying not to use spoilers, but mm. true colours in, uh, in situations is very important. Um, and it's a very, as you said, it's a very, it's got a, very influential kind of tone and it's an important message that this movie provides. Doobie, what was your thoughts on Promising Young Woman? Um, I'll go through the positives. Obviously, the movie wouldn't work with any other actress other than Carrie Mulligan. She has this like really blunt voice and expression on her face all the time and it just wouldn't have worked with any other actor. Sorry, act- or actor, actress, I don't care. Um, other things that I enjoyed about it. The third act is really good. Like I enjoyed the way, like the ending, how it tied up. There's things with the ending that I think could have been done a lot better, but overall, by the end of the movie, I walked out pretty happy with what I'd seen. And it's just nice to see a movie made for basically nothing get nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah. I think the middle act definitely lets this um, movie down. As do I. Where, yeah, there's like a whole it kind of turns into a romance movie in that middle part but um the ending i both hated and loved at the same time yeah like it's such an important ending and without spoiling anything but also it just really makes you so angry why i also i also (laughs) agree and i think that it could have been presented a little bit better the ending i actually like the middle of the the movie not to get into spoilers again because i think it subverts expectations Mm. the movie goes Mm. in ways that you didn't think that it would so as i said i went into this movie with no expectations and i thought that it really blew away um any preconceived notions i had about watching this so that's just me personally fair enough 
All right, well, that was your six doobie, your yep. five dollar, my four. Yep. Nola, what's your number four? Okay, my number four is, getting that up, Minari. That one's a higher on my list. Oh, it's, yeah, higher on mine as well, sorry. All right, well, that was your five and four, so we're just, we're just pairing through this list right now. It's going to be a long discussion <laughs> near the end. Uh, my number five was your number seven, Nola, and that's Judas and the Black Messiah. Um... Yeah, for me, I, this was one that I recently um, watched. This is the last film that I watched before recording this list here today. And uh, I watched it. Oh, I finished it today. I I was uh, again just like promising young woman, um, but a little bit different for me. Obviously, I have a kind of similar placement on my list. It's a movie that is got very good source material, but it's really elevated by the performance. Lakeith mm-hmm. Stanfield is absolutely fantastic in this movie as uh william bill um o'neill um who is basically an fbi informant during trying to infiltrate the black panther party daniel kalua now oscar winner from this movie is uh fred hampton who was the chairman of the black panther party and i found myself really intrigued and uh and kind of and and i was really engaged in this story it's a very important story of what happened in the late 60s about the Black Panthers, yeah, Black Panther Party and what they had to endure and the and the prejudice against them and uh, their kind of journey. And the more this movie goes on, the more uncomfortable you feel watching it and you, you feel Lakeith Stanfield's, uh, his journey and what he has to go through is crazy. And, uh, you know, all the actions that he does, not to get into spoilers in this movie, is act actions that he knows when he's making and that he has to live with. Daniel Kalu is fantastic as Fred Hampton. I think Jesse Plemons is great as uh, the the undercover FBI uh, player that he's working for. Martin Sheen's really good in his small role as J. Edgar Hoover in this movie. And for me, uh, this movie does drag a little bit in the the middle, but the message is really important. The performances are really good. And watching this is the last movie I've watched post the trial of the Chicago 7, I think it's a really good companion piece to that movie, which also deals with very similar issues. And obviously you see Bobby Seale in that movie, um, one of the founders of the Black Panther Society. We see the Chicago angle in this movie, but him and Fred Hampton's um, and their similarities, it's a really good companion piece for trial. I personally have trial higher, as you'll see on this list, but I think they're both very powerful and very important films, and they're very relevant in 2021, despite all this happening back in the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah. I mean, like, it's crazy that this sort of stuff happened 50 years ago, and we are still dealing with it today in 2021. Like, that, that to me, is just insane. Um, but, yeah, like, the reason why that this is a bit lower for me is because I felt the movie itself, I don't know, it just didn't catch my attention as much but the performances in this movie were absolutely incredible and obviously like the the what it's about like is is extremely important um but yeah like daniel kalua like he absolutely blew me away in this film like and like Heath as well like um just seeing what happened to his character and then knowing what happened after this whole sort of thing had wrapped up as well with um with what was his name bill bill, um, o- bill o'neill yeah, yeah yeah um 
it's just absolutely heartbreaking that the police would sort of force people to do this because obviously it's shown in the movie as well that this is not he's not the only case of undercover sort of FBI agents that they're using and the fact that they've done this multiple times is just absolutely heartbreaking. I wasn't really familiar with Keith Stanfield before this movie. I obviously know him as the brainwashed subject in Get Out um, and I think he plays a bit part in Straight Outta Compton but but I don't really particularly remember his performance in that movie. So I was blown away by how good he is in this. I think that the film lacks a little bit of direction in terms of where it's going and obviously you have this story and it's a powerful story an important story between Fred Hampton and uh, Bill O'Neill but you don't know too much about the supporting cast in this movie yeah. I would like to see a little yeah. bit more character development about the other members of the Black Panther yeah, Party yeah I know see we there was someone really who got shot by police and died and they were all very upset about it we have no emotional but connection. yeah there was no yeah. emotional connection to that at all and I would have liked to see a little bit more of struggle that Jesse Plemons goes but he's really good in the movie oh, I think yeah, he's a little he's bit underutilised yes. though we could yeah. have had a bit more from yeah. him but such an underrated actor oh he is he's, he's incredible yeah. he's absolutely incredible he's great but yeah that was the, uh, that was Judas and the Black Messiah we hope we sold it to you too, because it's a, it's a movie I reckon it's everybody should watch it's, yeah, yeah it's definitely worth watching as I said this uh, this part so th- this year's nominees not the strongest year for nominees for best picture movies but a lot of these movies they're surprise me they're, they're political and a lot of them are pretty mm, good I mean yeah, I don't know if I yeah. put any of the masterpiece category personally Ooh. we'll get to that a little bit later but I think they're all solid they're, it's, it's a solid lineup without a doubt so yeah. um, Judas and Black Sides is my five my four we've already discussed it was Promising Young Woman over to you Doopy what is your number five Nomadland that was my number seven no letter that's it's higher talk about that yep. when we get to it <laughs> let's lead us to your number four Trial of the Chicago Seven. Higher. Both of our lists. So, man, we've got very different opinions. <laughs> we do. As uh, as we get on with this. That's good, uh, though. Yes, it's good. It shows, it shows yeah, just how divided these, like, year's best pictures really are. There really are. isn't like... a clear at all. Um, cool. Let's move on, then. We may as well go to three and two. Yeah. And, uh, Noletta, keep the train rolling here. What's your number three? Okay, so my number three is the Trial of the Chicago Seven. That's higher on my list, which we all know what that means because mm-hmm. this is our three and two portion. No letter, what's your number two? Nomadland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, we've all got different opinions about yeah, this one. Let's go. Which I Let's, know I'm in the minority. Let's talk about that, it. But... On Letterboxd, like, for example, man, like it's like the top rated movie for the, like, out of the nominees, man. I, like, clearly a lot of people love it. I which, you know, absolutely I, loved it. Like, mm. I went into that movie thinking I was going to hate it. Mm. Um, thinking, oh, like, man, this sounds like the most boring movie I've ever heard of. And then I went in there and I just felt... It just resonated with me. There was just... So, um, are we are we talking about Nomadland now? We're talking yep. about okay, it. Let's do it. The highest. So, Nomadland. Um, So it's based on a true story about the American recession. Um, There was a city called, or a town called Empire, which their sole purpose was that they were sort of like a, um, they all the workers of a gypsum company, like lived in this town Empire. Um, Once the recession hit, they all lost their jobs and this town basically became obsolete. Um, and then, so Nomadland follows the story of Fern as she kind of decides to pick up this van life and try to find, try to do odd jobs to make ends meet and 
try to, I guess, I don't know, like live the mo- nomad life. It's free. But yeah, so without paying a lot of money for anything because she doesn't have a lot of money, she's sort of done... Like she's she was a substitute teacher and then gone into sort of um, I guess what you would call like this movie kind of follows her doing what you'd call to be the shit jobs in life like mm-hmm. the um the factory worker the cleaners of um like sort of RV parks and stuff like she has yeah. sort of the nothing jobs in life but the thing about it is that she's sort of learning to appreciate those kind of jobs and appreciate the people that live this this nomad life mm-hmm. um i guess because i'm in the minority of a lot of people who have watched this movie a lot of people namely my husband call this an oscar bait kind of film um to me i am, am a big fan of sort of that whole lifestyle i love the idea of living in a van i've done it I've done it before through America as well. I've, I've literally lived in an RV for four weeks going through America. So I kind of resonated with a lot of what she was going through dealing with that, like the time where she got really cold and the lady was like, you can't park here, you're going to freeze to death. Like I've actually felt that, how cold it can be. Um, but it was just kind of her story of her accepting all these shit things that have happened to her and making the best of a terrible situation Mm. and i just yeah like i absolutely loved it it just made it moved me to tears this movie like i absolutely loved it doopy you had this higher than me at five so i'll let you go next i'll leave my opinion last because i had the worst out of um out of all the movies i watched so you go next um yeah look overall i really enjoyed nomadland um looking at the trailers and stuff like I, i i i wouldn't say i was disappointed with the movie at all but like overall, it, it seemed like something that was sort of like, like some of like the best movies I've seen over the last couple of years, like The Tree of Life, where they just basically, the technical aspects are pretty spot on and they're just very, they're movies for the soul, I guess, if that makes sense. They're like very, they're very slow and they purposely done so to make you like really feel the um worse parts of the movie into like you know the sadder moments and moments during conflict and whatnot and yeah Francis McDormand is very good um cinematography is very good as well I'll point that out I honestly think that the cinematography for this is better than the cinematography for Mank Mm-hmm. we all oh, know that man like only won it because it was in black and white guys yeah, yeah. um yeah and um it's a it's a well directed movie i wouldn't call it the best directed movie of last year but kudos to chloe Zhao on winning um best director um only the second female in history to mm-hmm. do it we we've got to mention her earlier yeah, show, yeah. So. and yeah. the first person of color a female person of color yeah yeah so you know very happy for her and i'm keen to see what she does in the future she's obviously directing is it eternals the eternals yeah, yeah. which has already been filmed it's and she did mulan last year as yeah. well yeah so that'll be interesting um but yeah my problems with it sort of lie with like oh man like it, it's like I, as i said i like movies that are slow and like you know take their time 
this movie is so slow like it the the pacing there isn't really any pacing you're sort of just like watching francis mcdormand just go around and basically you know and, and i and it's purposely done mm-hmm. i will say that yeah, it is purposely it is, done yeah. but for me i just sort of got a bit like over it after the about an hour and a half in it's about two yeah. see two I, it kept two. me glued to the screen yeah i i like i normally loved it, it. Would. <laughs> normally it would for me like i've seen tons of movies like i mentioned the tree of life that's another really mm-hmm. slow movie and i adore that movie but yeah for whatever reason yeah. there's just parts of this where i sort of zoned out are we gonna hear your hating on this movie you I've like my husband been, and gonna... i've just been sitting here and trying to put my feelings <laughs> in the words um in my brain uh fair what I will say about this movie, it is a very thought-provoking movie, um, mm-hmm. and it makes you think about stuff like life, and it makes you think about what you're watching while you're watching it, uh, which all the good movies do out there. Um, fantastic. I think it's directed really well. Um, I think the use of common people's stories um, incorporated into the overall plot and real people's struggles of being nomads is used very effectively in this movie. And I think, as you mentioned, you touched on the cinematography, easily the highlight of the movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, the movie looks beautiful, and it definitely should have won. Yeah, uh, yeah I, mean, I, don't I cons- 100% agree Obviously, with that. this happens yeah. in the movie, but there's a scene where Francis McDormand is taking shit in a bucket. Yeah. and Thanks for the- that image. <laughs> and, but, like, the background just looks absolutely stunning and it's just like i i think chloe's out purposely yeah, did that like I think so too you know in something that's not so you know the sun good sets, to look at the sunrise yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's always something beautiful in you know every picture of life, however in my opinion this is one of the worst best picture winners of all time and i do not i think it's easily the weakest one of these movies for me, it's a little bit like a heart rate, and it starts. Uh, and when someone dies, it it flatlines, right? That's me when I watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly, it is one of the most dullest experiences uh, I've ever had watching a movie in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> listen, the stories might be really good from people, and the and the concepts good. You said that you lasted an hour and a half before you like. Why am I watching this movie? Where 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 fit on you a little bit? For me, it was about 10 minutes, and I was like, okay, can something happen in this movie? There is no point of tension. There is no point of of reasoning for me to watch this woman live her life in any kind of meaningful way at all. Sure, I understand her struggles. I understand her husband. I don't know why you have to torture me about this story for an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. So that is my opinion on Nomadland. I think it is a waste of time, and to me... I. I almost fell asleep five times watching this. I had to start slapping myself to keep me awake to watch the rest of this movie. So that is my opinion on Nomadland. Different opinion about that. And I know that you've got stuff like The Artist, which is the silent film. I haven't seen The Artist. But surely that movie is boring. I personally think that Moonlight was... Everything I've seen him in, but this movie, he takes it to another level. The story really resonated with me. I don't know why. I'm not losing my hearing. I'm not a drummer that's losing his hearing. But I was in this with the get-go. I... One of my best mates has a father that is deaf, um, so I think that might have helped um, in terms of me, you know, relating to this movie. But uh, the struggles that that uh, Riz Ahmed's character um, Ruben goes through in this movie, where he has to adapt to the fact that he's a musician that's losing his hearing, um, he's losing his whole world around him is falling apart. 
yeah, I, I, I really fell in love with the character. I really cared for him. I think that um, Olivia Cook's really good as his girlfriend in this movie. And uh, but for me, the star of the show, apart from Riz Ahmed, has to be um, Paul Racy as Joe, um, who is uh, is an already uh, deaf man that reads lips. He's a recovering alcoholic, and he runs a shelter for all these people. That, that veteran. As a veteran, he, he he runs a shelter for these. Uh, all these deaf people that, and he teaches them how to, you know, live a fulfilling life while having this permanent disability. So um, I think it's just a powerful movie from start to end. I didn't, when I went into this movie, so I didn't know anything about it. I didn't watch any of the trailers. I thought this was just a life about a musician. I really did not want to watch it. I was putting it off all week until I finally sat down and watched it and I loved it. So for me, um, it's my number two just because I, I, I love my number one, which we'll get to shortly, but the performance, Riz Ahmed is one of the most underrated players in Hollywood right now and I think this movie proves it. I, He's awesome. I was man. amazed by how good this movie is and this performance is. Yeah, I completely agree. Riz Ahmed was absolutely incredible in this film and he would have probably been the second runner for me for best actor, um, Anthony Hopkins. I still believe deserve to win that role. I haven't seen it, so. So, which, yeah. But um, this, I have a lot of questions about this movie. Like, I just feel like, I don't know. Obviously, they've kind of, being in the deaf, like with the deaf community and stuff, there was a few actors in that that were part of it and they've got Paul Racy to be part of it because he could speak one of the, sign yeah, language. And one of the actresses from The Walking Dead plays the teacher in this movie. She's, yeah. a, she's deaf in The Walking Dead. Yeah. She's actually deaf, so she, she's yeah. in this one as well. Yeah. Which she was really good. There was just some things that happened sort of in the middle and I don't really, I can't, it's hard to say because the problems that I had with it are kind of spoilers. Um, so it's hard for me to say what they are, but obviously his character does something sort of towards the end and I just felt myself questioning, why are you doing this? Like, like really? yeah, okay. like, and then when it, when it happened and nothing sort of came out of it, I was like, well, that was a waste of I feel like money. Like I, I disagree. I feel like it's a completely normal response mm. for someone that's losing well, their I mean, hearing. Well, it completely wants, is, yeah. but it just made me think, hang on, someone would have spoken to him about this beforehand, surely, and gone through what was going to happen and all this stuff. Like I just felt like, I don't know, that kind of just threw me out of the story. When you're determined to do something in a life, you know, changing situation. I'm sure yeah. that you'd do. So I had no problem with that. Um, yeah. Despite you know what what you say, I but just think one thing I have to say is the last two minutes of that film, or like one minute or something, is the best thing of that movie. I just love the whole. I, for me, the journey. I as I said, I was just so I was on board. I just I thought it was the journey was fantastic. That because a lot of people would have seen. And you, you talk. We can talk about Judas's and uh, the Minaris and promising young woman about the important messages that those films have. But the sound of metal for me is a lot of people. You see a deaf person, like let's be honest, you you feel sorry for them. You have sympathy for their situation, but you don't understand what they go through. And this movie does such a good job, in my opinion, of, oh, of really showcasing yeah, that. It does, and I think it's yeah. something that needs to be showcased. Mm. And I think that where you've got a lot of Nomadland for me, in my opinion, and Mank, which we'll get to shortly, are pretentious movies and are made to win awards. This movie is made just to highlight these issues. It, it was released on Amazon to basically no reception. This wasn't a movie that's, that was created to win Best Picture. This was a movie created to spread a message 
and to, and to showcase what struggles that these people that are that born deaf or go deaf go for every day. Look, I completely agree so. that this movie deserved to win best sound mixing because the sound in this was absolutely incredible. Like the parts where you're, because there's parts in this movie, Juby, because I know you haven't seen it. So there's parts where you're hearing from his perspective. Oh, so it's incredible. kind of like like a humming sort of noise. Oh. And then there's parts where it's actual, like the, the sound of what's actually happening. Yeah. And that to me, like it deserved to win that award yeah. for that part, like for those moments entirely. Like it was absolutely incredibly done. Um, but yeah, like I felt like the story kind of let the movie down for me personally. All right. Well, that was the sound of metal. Doopy, let's move on to your three now. Mank. It was my number six and Nolan's number six. Mm-hmm. I've only seen seven movies, Nolan has seen eight, obviously, but um, both kind of similar placements. Doobie, you got it free. Let's uh, hear, hear about Mink. Yeah. I mean, I'll, like, obviously, I've said this about a million times, and I'm probably going to say it a million times. It is far from David Finch's Burst movie. The guy is... Man, like, seriously, if we're talking about the most consistent directors of the last two decades, then... I'd probably have David Fincher as, like, number one, considering that he made Social Network, Gone Girl, Zodiac, mm-hmm. Seven, like, basically all these masterpieces. And, yeah, it's far from his best movie. But um, from a technical standpoint, it's pretty perfect. Um, Gary Oldman's very good. I understand why people... Uh, criticised his Oscar nomination because his character isn't exactly likeable in the film. Um, but I thought he was very good. All the supporting cast is very good. Um, overall, I I mean I haven't seen Citizen Kane, and I'm and a boy. A lot of a lot of people told me to make sure I watch Citizen Kane before watching it, or else I'm not going to understand anything. It's like you. I just like to point out, you don't have to yeah, watch Citizen Kane to know what's going on in this movie. I'm sure that, you know, most most people who watch this will at least know who, like, Orson Welles is. Um, but, yeah, overall, I thought this was pretty great. I totally understand, like, what a lot of the complaints are and whatnot about the film. But from start to finish, I was really into it. And um, I love how it goes back and forth between um, her or Herman J. Mankiewicz writing the script to Citizen Kane. And also it goes back to show you a lot of his um, incidents with alcohol, mm. most notably. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Nolita, your thoughts? Well, I mean, this was the first out of all these Oscar movies that I've watched. So it's kind of not very fresh in my mind, um, which is probably why it may be a bit lower on my list, just because the others are a bit more fresher. Um, I loved that they did it in black and white. I think that was a very smart decision to make, and it's probably the reason why it's been nominated for Best Picture, probably, like, up there for one of those reasons. But um, And it's probably the reason why it's won, cine- like, the Best Cinematography as well. Yeah. Um, Gary Oldman was absolutely incredible. Like all, actually, all the acting was incredible. Buddy, Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, like they were, they were amazing. Um, I agree that it is a very pretentious film. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed watching it. Like it was an enjoyable experience. I, um, I kind of loved that 
like Mank is such an unlikable character. So like I. I think he's such an asshole, but it's yeah. it's an enjoyable to watch. You don't always yeah. want to watch someone that's that's likable. Like it's yeah. it's nice to get out there and see something a bit different. So mm-hmm. um for that reason alone, I'm glad that Gary Oldman was nominated because I feel like he acted it absolutely brilliantly. Yeah. And he deserved to be nominated. Um, no matter how likable his character was, but, um, yeah, but yeah, like it was, it was an enjoyable film, but yeah, I think the reason why, I don't know, maybe if I had rewatched it, it might be a bit higher, but yeah, I'm happy with where it sort of sits with where everything else is at the moment. Yeah. For me, I've got positives and negatives about this movie. The key word that comes to mind, you said it, is pretentious for me. This is a movie, let's be honest, I know you love it, Doobie, but this is a movie that the Academy absolutely loves. It loves the black and white. It loves a historical story set in Hollywood. We've seen it before. Um, You know, movies like that win Best Picture. Mm -hmm. Or get nominated, at least. For me, um, I echo both of your sentiments. Gary Oldman's fantastic as Herman Mank, and I feel like... uh, you're right, you, you want to root for him, despite him not being a likable character. I think the strongest scenes in this movie are the ones where he's in bed, he's writing the script, he's talking to Lily Collins, who, in my opinion, by the way, I think actually was better than Amanda Seyfried, yeah. and I think that she deserved the best not, uh, supporting yeah. actress nominee, in my opinion. Yeah. I think she's outstanding. Uh, I think Amanda Seyfried's good as well, but I think Lily Collins mm-hmm. takes it to another level. My favourite scene in particular in this movie was the one where he's talking to the immigrants that work for him and how they cross the border thanks to his help. And it shows you a little bit more of a humane side of Mank. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie, make no mistake about it, it was made to win awards. It was made for... This, this is, I've got several other problems. The, the black and white is used very, very well. I, I think that uh, Nomadland deserves cinematography as well over you, and I don't like that movie. I think that cinematography yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but my main problems from this thing stem with the fact that, uh, one, you have to... So, they have a conversation in this movie about 1930s Hollywood. And you said that you... I'm going to hit back a little bit on your comments, Doobie, where you say that anyone can follow it. Sure, they can follow the movie's main overall structure if you haven't seen Citizen's Kane. But if you're not an expert on yeah. on 1930s Hollywood, you're not going to understand everything they're talking about. It is not made for the casual viewer. It is made for people that work in Hollywood. It's made by Hollywood for Hollywood, and that for me goes against the entire message and the entire lives of Mank and Orson Welles. These two guys were outsiders in Hollywood and did not like the Hollywood system, yet when it comes to a movie about Mank, it is the yeah. most Hollywood movie you can imagine. It's made, it's it's the most Hollywood thing I've ever seen, and these guys hated Hollywood. It just does not, I think if these guys were alive, they would hate this movie. I actually never thought and of that I, now that you've said this that. This is the best point I've ever made yeah, on this podcast. It really actually not... is. I will agree with that. So, <laughs> like, so for me, wow. this movie does not work. And why I was entertained overall watching it, I think things dragged. I think that some of the terminology when it comes to Hollywood does not work. And overall, I was pretty disappointed by men considering I know it would had it has had a divisive reception, but I've heard mm. more good things than bad. And... I think it's an okay movie, but I don't think it's anywhere near best picture worthy. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've found that like a lot more critics enjoy it, which to back up your point, more yeah, critics exactly, seem to yeah, enjoy yeah. it opposed to the general public. Um, and look, there's tons of stuff in it where I was, you know, I wasn't fully understanding what they're talking about. Exactly. But the Brit, the the counter argument I have for that is that this is the type of movie that. 
I know that I'll go back and rewatch because I like I like research and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people. That's not for everybody. That's just a personal thing for me. That's one thing that I will say a positive about the movie. Mank and Judas and the Black Messiah, both of those movies made me want to know more about the to- the subject yeah. matter. Chicago yeah. 7 Same. as well. And yeah. Chicago. And, yeah. though, and, and generally those are signs of a good movie. Yeah. Mank, for me, doesn't live up to that. But I okay. already said my real piece on that movie. But yeah. as I said, for me, that big issue is they would have hated this movie. Mank and Orson Welles. Mm. Orson Welles kind of designed to hate it, but Mank yeah. would not have liked yeah. this movie at all, the real no. person. So. No. Anyway, that was our that was our three and two. We're going to move on to our favourite best picture nominee next. All right, we're about to get into our favourite best picture nominee, but we realised, dude, Bond, you haven't talked about your number two, so let's get to your number two. My number two is Minari. Oh, well, yeah, that's a shock. What was going to be your number one? All right, well, that means that you guys have the same number one. Let's talk about Minari. It's uh, no, let us four. My three doopies two. Doobie, you have the highest. Let's start with you. Okay. Uh, Minari is directed by Lee Isaac Chung. It tells the story of a Korean family trying to live their version of the American dream. And it stars Steven Yeun. And I'm not going to try and pronounce the rest of the cast names. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought this movie was awesome. Again, it's another movie that I really wish I got to see last year. But, obviously because of coronavirus um but yeah i think basically everything about this movie is almost perfect i think the whole cast is fantastic Stephen yun continues to be an absolute powerhouse in hollywood ever since leaving the walking dead um he's great in burning he's great in oak jar and this is probably his best performance thus far he obviously got nominated for best actor which i thought was very well deserved i thought it was directed very well i thought that the screenplay was very original very well written and overall i thought that yeah this is just great and you know it's another one of those movies where you know the the subject of what they're talking about is something that needs to be talked about. So yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I was so for me, I haven't seen too many subbed films, films in different languages. Not something that I run towards. Obviously, I saw um, Parasite last year, and this movie is a little bit more of a mix between English and and Korean. Um, go to now, man. Sorry, <laughs> they're my go to. Go to. I know the best stuff them. I see these days is usually in another language. I just don't have. I've just got so many movies to watch yeah. that are English movies. I'm not necessarily going towards there, but it's definitely yeah. something that I want to explore more in the future. Like stuff like, um, you know, uh, you'd love Pan's what? Labyrinth. Yeah, the raid. You know, the raid is one that I movie. really want to watch. The, um, What's the the Train to Busan is another one that I want to check out. So there's definitely it's pretty good. there's definitely uh, sub movies I want to check out uh, mm-hmm. for sure. But I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think that it so it basically follows yeah the uh, immigrants moving to the United States. Mm-hmm. They Stephen Ewan starts a farm. His character um, Jacob and uh, it's about their struggles and trying to maintain it and trying to live the proverbial American dream I think Stephen Ewan's fantastic in this movie I was really surprised and impressed by one of my favourite kind of bit players in Hollywood Will Patton I think he's great in the movie yeah. um, the grandma um, I can't pronounce her name so I'm not going to try to butcher it again but she's without a doubt 
in my opinion, the whole of the movie, the levity that she adds to the character and her relationship with the children is is uh, fantastic to watch. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I think this is really a kind of a showcase of Stephen Ewan to get him out to more eyes. He was fantastic in The Walking Dead. He's one of the best parts of The Walking Dead, in my opinion, especially in those early seasons. Um, and, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting him a few years ago. He's a nice guy as well. But he's just, uh, he's powerhouse, and I hope he gets more roles after this thing and it's really just this movie the best way to kind of sum it up is you're watching it's basically just a, a lens into you know this korean family's life and and their struggles that they go for go through and i know that the movie is succeeding when i'm even though you know it's not the most plot heavy film in the world mm. that i'm very much engaged in what's happening on screen and i'm I, I very much care about the fate of this family and um the whole without getting into spoilers the whole Minari angle of this film, where the title comes from, is is really well placed, and I feel like the emotional beats really hit home. And um, you know, it's a different sort of tension and a different sort of anxiety that you feel when you watch this movie compared to other movies, especially American films. Um, but I feel like it very much succeeds in in what it sets out to do. And it, I was surprised when I when I finished this movie and saw Brad Pitt as an executive producer, and then he Me too. Pro- he yeah. he gave the award to the grandmother yeah. at the Oscars yesterday. Um, but it just shows that you that there there is some people in Hollywood that are trying to get these smaller films out there and trying to showcase uh, all these overseas talent, um, in particular the you know the Korean talent. So um, very much enjoyed it. I personally think it's a better movie than. Parasite, which won Best Picture last year, I'll go ahead and let me say that in my opinion. Yeah, um, and I, as I said, the, the performances really um, stand out. I'm very much surprised by the performances of the children actors. I think they were really good as well. So, so did I. Um, mm-hmm. I think they were very, very strong. A very well directed movie as well. Um, mm-hmm. The scenery is fantastic. Um, the tra- transition between scenes are really good, and um, it's slowly. It's a movie that takes its time. Telling the message it wants to tell, but uh, and I think that um, who do you know who directed him? Uh, Lee Isaac Chong. I think that yeah. he deserves all the recognition in the world, and I actually would have put him. As I said, I know Madeline Chloe Zhao is fantastic, and she definitely is deserving of the award for how she set that movie. But I'd, I'd argue that he's up there with yeah. with direction for the, for the best director of the year. So I don't even um, know if he got nominated for best mm-hmm. director. So that what well, that yeah. uh, is Minari, in my opinion, of novel. Yeah. Um. So I mean this movie is very important at the moment as well especially in america because there's a lot of um asian hate that's happening over in america at the moment so again another kind of very political sort of film to add into the mix which the oscars have gone for this year completely with like so many like political films um it was an interesting look of like the immigrant parents raising like first generation children and how the children are sort of speaking like like american plus like their korean their korean language as well um i thought that was really well done for me this like i would completely watch a whole movie based off david and his grandma like they were just the two standouts of this film they absolutely stole the show Every time they were on screen, I was just like, yep, I was so invested. Um, How she lifted him up as well was yep. really good. And yeah, made like made him strong and, and just, said that you can run. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a smaller detail, but yes, it's, it's yeah. one that it really I is. didn't go unnoticed to me. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. It, yeah, it just really, like their relationship just stole the show for me. I would, I, I was actually more invested in them than I was anyone else in the show, which is why I've got it a little bit lower in my list. 
Um, I just felt like it was such, it was so interesting to see just such a normal struggle of people trying to become farmers and obviously like from people from other cultures and not used to this land that they're moving on to and like they're like oh yeah we want to grow korean vegetables and all this stuff because people koreans are moving here of course they'll want this sort of thing and then you see that that contrast of them speaking to a korean lady and she's like no we've had that we want we want new sort of things like oh we're, we all moved here because we're trying to get away from that so I just thought that sort of contrast was really, really well done and kind of shown throughout the whole thing. And yeah, the character of Paul, which is the the crazy friend who fought in the yeah, yeah fought in the Korean War. He's a great actor. Yeah, oh, he was absolutely incredible. The like, scene of him carrying the cross. The cross, yep. Oh, powerful. Awesome. Yeah, really awesome. so powerful. Yeah, but. It was. It's definitely one to remember. I think this this movie. This kind this kind of movie, uh, because it's a foreign film, really to me, where we step away again. We all enjoyed the movie immensely. Mm-hmm. It really highlights the problem of the Academy Awards for me because when you look at Parasite, obviously a great movie. It was your favorite movie of last year, correct? Yeah. Um, Doohy. Um, but it's one of those ones where because. Last year almost seemed to me, and I'm just going to go and say it, it did seem to me that giving Parasite Best Pitch was a political statement and uh, that Minari, because they made that political statement last year, had no chance of winning the award this year. And while it got nominated for Best Picture, it didn't win Best Foreign Film. It just seems like... It didn't even get nominated. It just seems like the whole system is... Think they considered it a best foreign film because it was set in America, yeah. done by people who are considered American. Yeah, I think that's why they didn't. Yeah, it just seems like the system's flawed, yeah. and it seems like the oh, other... it really is. They need to oh, that, that, overhaul the system. I, like what we we're talking about, it's the same with like Anthony Hopkins being in Silence of the Lands for fifteen minutes and winning Best Actor. Yeah, it's a bit like there's a lot of grey areas with mm. the Oscars. I'm just glad this movie exists simply because. Uh, Parasite's not exactly something that I think that everybody, like the whole general public would go and watch. Mm. Whereas this film, I think is a lot more, you know, accessible, like more, more. And it's a lot more relatable as well. Yeah. Just a family struggle. So yeah. I just think they need to do something other than doing that huge political statement of you yeah. giving the foreign film that's nominated the best picture another way to showcase these movies a more prestigious way than than the foreign film category mm. um, to really highlight some of these movies. But that's just my opinion there. All right, let's go to my number uh, number ones now. Um, we'll st- we'll start with mine. Now, Letter would usually yeah. say a one, yeah. um, which we know is the father. Also, your number one doopy. Yeah. Um, because you're our guest and you'd usually go last, we'll start with mine because you guys both have the same number one, and that is the trial of the Chicago Seven is my number one uh, best picture nominee this year. Um, it's a, it's like you with Mank. It's the movie that I saw the longest to go. Um, I saw it last year. It was my number one movie of 2020. If you go back and listen to that podcast, I talk um, in depth about the movie there, but. This movie, when I saw it uh, on Netflix, blew me away. Obviously, Netflix brought the rights to this, but uh, you want to talk about powerful messages. I don't know if it gets more powerful than uh, the events and the rights that happened in the late 60s over there in the United States, in Chicago. Um, 
the movie is really summarized by uh, one of the one of the my favorite quote of the movie, and it's Malcolm, uh, Robert but Kennedy, and uh, and Martin Luther King all tried yeah. uh, to do it peacefully, and look what happened then. So uh, that might not be the exact quote, but it definitely gives you that message that you know uh, things weren't right, civic rights. Were, it was just it was a terrible time to be any sort of minority in the late '60s, and this courtroom drama succeeds tremendously in telling that story and what they were fighting for, the uh, the Chicago 7. And all great performances from top to bottom. Um, Eddie, I, I won't go as long as I did in the last one because, as I said, I talked about this on my, top, uh, my 2020 movie uh, list, but Eddie Raymond, uh, Redmond's great. Sasha Baron Cohen steals the show as Abby Hoffman. Um, I think that... Uh, Mark Ryland's great as their defense counsel, um, but the two standouts for me, and even Joseph Levitt's really good, but the two standouts for me are um, the uh, the actor that plays Bobby Seal. I can't remember his name. Yah Abdul Mateen too. I think he is. Um, he played Manta in the Aquaman movie. Absolutely yep. phenomenal, and he's not a huge part of this movie, but his presence is felt mm. when he's on screen. But uh, the judge, um, we all know. Uh, is is absolutely, and I don't know how. I don't yeah. think he even got nominated for an acting award in the Oscars. I don't know how he didn't. I think that he is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. I'm he trying to remember his name. Um, Franklin Jella. So oh. Yeah, Fra- Fra- Franklin Jella. He he's so he's a veteran of Hollywood, and I think yeah. this is his best performance. As you said, he plays yeah. a scumbag, scumbag to perfection. Oh. And uh, this movie, from top to bottom. Sometimes courtroom dramas aren't the most important, uh, exciting things to watch on the screen, but I think Alan Sorkin really did a fantastic job with this screenplay and all these issues that were so uh, prevalent and and obviously important um, in 1968 and 1969 are still prevalent in 2021 and they're more important than ever to be to be honest. So um, Alan Sorkin did such a uh, Aaron Sorkin sorry did such a fantastic job um, directing and writing this movie that. Um, and the performances, as I said, they all stepped up. And for me, it's it's a great movie. And I would be quite happy to see this movie get nominated for Best Picture in any year, not just 2020. Yeah. So, I agree. My opinions on the trial. Seven. What are you guys' thoughts? Cool. Oh, um, so I watched this within the last week. Um, obviously, it was something that I've been told to watch multiple times and just never got around to. I'm not one for a courtroom drama. Like, that's not my cup of tea to go watch a movie of. I was absolutely enthralled with this movie. It is so riveting. Like, and to, and the fact that it's a, like, it's based on a true, like, on true events is absolutely insane to me. The fact that, like, that really happened to Bobby Seal yes. is so disgusting. I can't believe that ever happened absolutely. and that anyone ever allowed that sort of thing to happen um i spent my whole time just being so angry at that judge which goes to show Show that he's a brilliant of an actor um and he didn't get nominated oh it, it blows my mind i can't believe that like he was just absolutely brilliant in that movie um another person who was absolutely brilliant as well was jeremy strong who played yep. the other yuppie Absolutely. guy? So, um, what was Joseph his? Gordon-Levitt's, um, the was it the other guy fighting? Yeah. The no, Jer- Jerry Rubin, the one who was next to uh, yes. Sasha Baron yep. Cohen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so I really like Sasha Baron Cohen was incredible, but I've actually liked Jeremy Strong more. Wow. 
I thought he was such a great character. Like the fact, like when he was going on about him being enchanted by the the female cop and stuff yeah. and yeah. and uh, and that like but he his character to me was actually more i don't know it just felt i just felt more from him than i did from sasha baron cohen and that's saying something considering sasha baron cohen is was nominated for best supporting actor um but yeah this movie just made me feel so incredibly angry i finished it going how like how was this 50 years ago and we are still going through this shit it's one of the most important like, stories that not many uh, people seem to know and yeah. this was the thing in the because obviously I'm a bit I'm a little bit of a historian I don't know all the details but mm. um, when Malcolm X and Martin yeah. Luther King died and got assassinated the whole if you there's other movies like Bobby and stuff that go into more directed by Emilio Estevez but when Bobby Kennedy ran for office and he ran for senator he was gonna he got it and he was gonna run for president and then he yep. got assassinated yep. that in Chicago in particular was known as the last hope for America dying at that time and that's what led to all, all those led to these riots and I think they were done fantastic yeah. the riots and oh, they were shown yeah, they directed really were. in a yep. great way yep. so um, so incredibly done do yeah. you thoughts uh, the best thing about this movie is just like the the energy of it. Like it's just constant, like a million miles a minute. And that's one thing that I complained about about Molly's Game, which was Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut. The movie's way too long. There's moments where it just you know really slows down. It's like keep the pace going, man. But this movie is like obviously not as long as Molly's Game. It's so like fast paced and it just has this raw energy to it like every second. Like it's it like of the last decade it's one of the best courtroom dramas well it easily of the last ten years. Yep. I think and, so maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Pretty it's up there. Up there. Yeah. yeah. And like it everything else, like the scene of them like marching and then like kind of basically <laughs> how there's like saying it's like a peaceful march and then there's like the, the riot yeah. ensues even the scenes of them back at the house everything's just like constantly moving and like in a very good way and, and all the acting's great Eddie Redmayne's transformation uh, yeah. his stripes yeah. he, what he's when he, when he stands yeah. and you're just like why yeah. <laughs> like, personally I thought it was the best um was that for best original screenplay? I thought it'd be up yeah. for best adapted. Yeah. But I think it's easily... I thought the screenplay for this definitely should have won an Oscar for best um, original screenplay. Yeah. And, you know, Aaron Sorkin's, you know, he's an amazing writer. Um, and I'm keen to see what he does next as a director because it's only his second movie that he's directed. So, yeah, look, I'm keen to see. I'll watch whatever he directs yeah. next. But, Big yeah, things I've, coming. Yeah, absolutely. Was awesome. Loved it. And, uh, yeah, as I said, it, it really worked well on Netflix as well because it could get yeah. put to a, a, a large, large, audience. large audience. We've talked about this yeah. for ages. Liam Michael yeah. Keaton, this movie's really good. Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't so, mention yeah, that. Yeah, his <laughs> cameo in the movie was just like, God. yeah. Talking about film. it again makes yeah. me want to watch it again and yeah. just be angry again. <laughs> it's one of the more, like, you know, I, even though I can say, like, I'd have Mank and Minari ahead of it, I'd probably watch Chicago 7 first before I watch them. A lot of it to go back and, yeah. like, you know, 
Well, I was tossing up between this and Nomadland for so long on yeah. what I would put first. But I think this movie came out in July or August yeah. of last year. When it yeah. came out, it got such huge critical reception. Yeah. From what I've looked on the internet recently, it seems to be getting a little bit more hate of people yes. not saying it deserves to get nominated for Best Picture, which I, I know, find insane. Which is I ridiculous. It, des- it definitely deserved to be. It deserved to be up there. All right, so that was, my, that was my number one, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yep. We're going to go on to both your number ones. I haven't seen this movie, so I can't really comment too much on it. I, I think Anthony Hopkins is a great director, but you guys are a great actor, sorry, but you guys go on and uh, discuss The Father. You're both your number one. So to start, I would say this is a movie that you need to watch. I was always planning to. So. I, was, I just haven't. The cinema, <laughs> as Doopy said, in, it, cinemas in Australia have been uh, really, really hard. Yeah, they have been. It's been ridiculous. Movies, so. so we had to go to pretty independent kind of cinema to watch this um basically it stars anthony hopkins as the father then olivia coleman as um the daughter i guess or Anne in this movie um it's based around someone with dementia and usually when you see a dementia movie it's always in the eyes of the family that is seeing the person with dementia in this case, it's in the eyes of the person with dementia. So it kind of plays out like a psychological thriller in parts because you're going through seeing what he's seeing and you're questioning everything that is happening to him. I I, I can't really say much more without it being kind of spoiled, but Anthony Hopkins in this film, playing playing a person with dementia... Um, he he just was absolutely incredible. He definitely stole the show. I mean, like you've got other people like Mark Gaddis, who was abs- also absolutely incredible, who played a very kind of small role. Olivia Coleman, who was obviously nominated for best actress, uh, best supporting actress. I mean, she she is good. She's always good, but she def- but she definitely. Deserve like the person who won best supporting actress, the grandma definitely deserved it over her. Um, so basically, what this this film was adapted from a play, which you can really tell because it's sort of set in a very small um, setting. So the the writer of the play was Florian Zeller, who also directed the movie. Which I mean, sometimes when you have the writer directing it doesn't work out well but sometimes it turns out absolutely phenomenal in this case it has worked really well um he is french so the play originally was written in french and was adapted for english um and like just i don't know it's so hard like so basically olivia coleman her character throughout the movie is trying to get the father to move or Anthony to move into a home or they're, they're trying to sort of work out how to best look after him. She's got a new boyfriend and who's not very happy with him living with her and they're trying to work out the best way they can live their life as well as having this person in their life with dementia. And like, honestly, anything else you say is kind of a spoiler and ruins the movie for you because it's so, this movie needs to go in without you knowing too much about it, really. Like, it's so well done. And in my opinion, should have won Best Picture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was absolutely blown away by this. Um, 
God, yeah, like Hopkins. Like I've seen, obviously, I've seen Silence of the Lambs. I've seen like tons of his other stuff, and I thought that it, I thought that this is probably his best performance ever. Um, it's it's again, it's one of those movies where like you completely forget that you're watching Anthony Hopkins act in a movie. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're watching an old man just basically forgetting yep. everything about his 100%. life, forgetting like you know where he is who his family are you know it just does a really good job at i guess really emphasizing how bad a disorder dementia is um and at the start of the movie there's like there's comedic elements to it it's not just like an absolutely bleak movie but as the movie goes on and you start to notice his condition a lot more it just yeah like the the last half an hour of this movie are absolutely it wrecks you yeah <laughs> it's just yeah it's I don't just cry devastating in a lot of movies, but yeah i was very close to tears during this movie i, I cried so <laughs> so uh this seems like something that's definitely going to resonate with me and it, mm. with the way you speak yeah. of it, uh, it makes me feel like we're going to talk about it at the end of the year yeah. in our 2021 list. Oh, so yeah. I'll definitely have seen it by that point. 100%. We'll, we'll bring it up. Um, but yeah, as having someone that has lost a family member over the mm. past few months to dementia and I've seen, I saw that progression of that individual slowly and gradually get worse over time, uh, it definitely seems like something that's going to to speak to me and have an impact mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on me before I even go into it. So I can I can definitely see why you how you would get emotional watching this without even seeing the movie. So Oh yeah. Um, it's um pretty it's intense. Like it's really full on, but they do it in a way where yeah, like as I said like it feels like a more of a thriller like oh this can't really be happening to this person instead of it actually happening to this person. So you feel like oh it's not as bad but then it gets to the end and you're like oh shit yep, yeah okay there's, there's a scene where anthony hopkins and olivia coleman basically something right towards the end where you know they, they like embrace each other and you're like oh that's the end of the movie and then no, yeah. they just have to like shove one more screw into your back <laughs> to just really yep. <laughs> I think I'm ready to watch this movie. Oh, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard watch, but yeah. it's so worth it's it. It's such a it's rewarding so movie to watch it. after you yeah. watch it because you're just like, wow. I feel like it'd probably be, it would have been your number one as well if you had have seen it. Like, I it's do love just, Troll, so it's a big call, yeah, but I haven't no, seen it. No, so this yeah, movie is I, I something been, else. It's something else. I would have been shocked if this wasn't in your top yeah. two. Because, um, yeah, I, I... I expected a bit from it, from like the reception it got, but yeah, after watching it, it was just like absolutely. I went in thinking I was going to hate it. Yeah, at this stage, I've given it a nine out of ten, but like I'm, Mm. I strangely enough, I probably will watch it again. It might be that on my rating, my rating system, trolls the only thing to get over an eight. So yeah, yeah. Well, this is a nine plus. Like it could be close to a ten. That's how good this movie is. I give it the same. I gave this and Minari a nine, but the father is like so far ahead. And I still give it. That's why I'm considering giving it a ten because it's just the the only small, tiny, little nitpicky issue I've got with the movie is that, and this is just the 
critique in me coming out is that it, the movie would have worked way better if there was absolutely no music in my opinion okay i would, i just would have preferred absolute silence but which would work as a play which is what it was originally yeah as yeah so yeah that kind of makes sense you don't want to know where what i rated no badly in 10 but anyway all right uh that that is our uh we that is it we've ranked all the best picture nominees for 2021 we hope you enjoyed this episode matt it was great having you would you like to promote anything give us uh give anything a shout out Eh, not really Just just like my page. Which send, is, send me presents. Which is uh to apology reviews. Uh we hope to have you back. I'm sure we probably will yeah, probably down will. the line. Yeah. Um thank you again, Noletta. Always a pleasure doing this podcast with you. Oh, it's uh lovely, it's great. Isn't it? On um, Monday, uh this should release Wednesday afternoon. Were you going to say did I interrupt you? Oh, I've been no, criticized right. about that in the past. Bag you out, but... Go ahead. <laughs> no. Let's just take a moment to, to realise that I'm the first ever person to be welcomed back more than once on this show. Yeah. We've only had two guests, but you're definitely, uh, definitely <laughs> you're up, up there. there. You're up there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you guys uh, once again for supporting. Please continue to support wherever it be on Facebook, Instagram. Leave a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Anchor. Thank you guys for listening to the show today. Noletta, on Monday, we'll be back for our review of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And I hear that you have some strong opinions. Oh, I have very strong opinions about that show. <laughs> All right, we'll get to it on Monday. But thank you guys for listening again. And we'll see you guys next time on What Have We Been Watching? Movie Podcast.